Hello dear listeners of the Education Newscast, uh, welcome to another episode today again in English and today we talk about the edtech market startups and the ecosystem in Europe with Hannes, Hannes Eichmeier. Yeah, and I think he's an absolute expert, uh, but you will hear about that in some seconds. Hey Hannes, great that you made it here. Hi Thomas and hi listeners, thank you for having me today, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Hannes, for those who didn't uh, subscribe to your newsletter, for example, or don't know you yet, uh, perhaps could you just briefly explain who you are, what you're doing and what your journey was so far? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so originally, um, I'm from Austria, actually, so listeners won't get to hear my, my lovely Austrian accent today as we're doing this in English. But yeah, I'm in Paris at the moment. I'm working for Bright Eye Ventures as an associate. Bright Eye is with a 100 million euro fund, um, Europe's most active edtech focused venture capital fund. And I'm mainly responsible for deal sourcing, um, due diligence, investments, processes um, at the fund. And yeah, for long, long history in the ad tech space already um, and have been in, in the space for the past five, six years. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. And I remember you also worked in Austria for, let's say, more regional ad tech uh, platform or that's also where I uh, know you from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, actually, so to explain a bit more about that, um, I mean, my, I have a business and economics background and, and followed a traditional career when I started in, in consulting back then. But then I, I switched careers and then actually was a teacher for two years in a middle school in Vienna. And that was basically my, my entry into the field of education. And it was in 2015, 2016, right at the peak of the refugee crisis in Europe. And they're basically teaching many refugee kids. I saw the potential of, of ed tech solutions and then worked for a large foundation in Germany leading their education work. Then as you just mentioned um, before joining Bright Eye for about two years, I built an EdTech incubator in Austria for a public-private partnership. Um, was right during the COVID pandemic, basically the start of the pandemic, and we tried to support EdTech startups with different um, programs and sort of connecting the whole edtech ecosystem, meaning startups, corporates, schools, university within Austria, of course, but also um, connecting Austrian institutions to relevant edtech players abroad. Okay, interesting. And I think about the ecosystem, we perhaps can talk about a little bit later. So sounds like a very, let's say, exciting learning journey already. Uh, what you uh, are through. So perhaps we can look at the market now first, or probably not everyone is aware how the, let's say in general, the attack market can be categorized. Uh, because per se, of course, it's technology, but there are different segments, right? Right, right. Um, definitely. And of course, also, if you look at, at different resources, I think there are different ways to, to classify the markets. For us, we mainly look at it from a consumer or target group perspective. So we basically have five different verticals, more or less. We separate from each other. The first one being pre-K, so mainly solutions that target young kids, early childhoods. Then K through 12, um, solutions that target school-aged children. Um, the third one is, is higher ed, so basically everything targeting universities, colleges, and so on. 
And the last two are corporate learning, which is also in our portfolio, the largest group, so to say. And the last one, sort of lifelong learning, meaning solutions like Duolingo, Bubble, that we basically use to learn more in a private setting. Okay, interesting. And probably the later two categories or lifelong learning, corporate learning, they probably also have some overlap so that some people who perhaps work already somewhere, but by learning or training uh, by their own. Exactly. There's definitely an overlap between some of the categories. And then, of course, within the categories, you have also different business models, B2C, B2B, or especially if you look at K-12 higher ed, also B2G business models, um, if these companies target public institutions directly and in the end get public money. And yeah, if you think, for example, about a famous Austrian edtech example, Go Students. Um, mm. For us, we classify it as a K-12 edtech company because they target school-age children, but the business model is B2C, right? So in the end, they, they target parents. And then, of course, that's why you also have some, some overlap within these different verticals. Right. And I, I, I think all we, we quite see some development over the last year, which I actually find uh, very promising. Yeah, So we see... Now, even unicorns, you already mentioned one very prominent one, yeah, but there are also others. So how do you see the development, especially, uh, let's say, in Europe in the last year? So I think in the past, we know about authoring tools and, uh, for example, LMS as, let's say, more older categories, but this market really has evolved quite substantially or... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, there's been amazing development over the past few years. And I think even looking at, at the developments recently, EdTech is still in its early days compared to mm. many other, you know, verticals like FinTech, HealthTech and so on. And of course, it depends a bit on the, on the vertical you look at. Um, America and the US, they have been at the forefront again. I think especially also on the corporate learning side. They are probably still a, a few years ahead when it comes to adoption of edtech solutions, but Europe has definitely picked up pace. And especially if we look at VC investments um, mm -hmm. within the last few years in edtech companies and compare that in, in Europe to Asia and, and the US, Europe has really improved and the, the, the sort of relative investment side in Europe is growing. And still, um, last year, even though, you know, it was a, was a difficult year, EdTech investments in Europe were about 1.8 billion. And that's still double what we had before the pandemic. So there's amazing growth in Europe. And yeah, I think right now we are even third place just behind India and US when it comes to EdTech VC investments. Mm -hmm. um, and we see more and more, you know, now schools and universities, for example, in, in Germany with the Digital Pact, getting the resources and infrastructure to adopt new EdTech solutions and also more and more openness and urgency from companies when it comes to, you know, offering relevant and innovative learning solutions for their employees. So we are, we are really bullish about EdTech. Yeah, and for those who want to see numbers, I think we can put some links in the show notes also, so for further uh, numbers, because actually you with your team at uh, Bright Eyes, I think you share great research, very detailing the categories, what you just mentioned. So we probably, uh, or we can put some uh, links in the, in the show notes for everyone who wants to do a deep dive. Definitely. 
All right. And uh, now we talk about categories and areas or, uh, of uh, probably for our listeners, I think the lifelong learning and the corporate learning uh, segment is the most interesting. Can you nail that down or categorize that down to further areas or so? Or how do you look at the market? Yeah. Yeah. That we, we, we look at the market, I would say in two different ways. On the one hand, um, it depends a bit on which sort of when it comes to corporate learning company size you're targeting, right? We see many, mm -hmm. many edtech companies targeting large enterprises because of course they often have the resources, also the internal larger HR departments, maybe even or probably even a dedicated learning and development department to talk to and to adopt these solutions. And then we see more and more companies now, which is a very interesting space for us, targeting specifically SMEs or SMBs, right? Because again, mm -hmm. if we look at only Germany, it's a huge market, all these small and mid-sized companies. Um, and there is also more and more openness there now. And then besides the target group, we again look at sort of different verticals when it comes to these corporate learning products. Verticals here meaning mainly who do they target within these companies? Is it more white color workers or blue color workers? Mm -hmm. um, and then what specific content are we talking about? Where just to bring an example here, we have seen more and more at the companies with sort of climate um, climate change related um, related contents in the past year mm -hmm. right we see we see many um, with sort of health well-being related contents um, mm -hmm. so that just depends what sort of what sort of solutions do they offer or is it more of a generic product all right okay thanks and Perhaps we also could look at trends. So I, for example, did a research, but that's already two years or so ago. And uh, the newer things, at least for my perception, they were this more peer learning use cases, for example, like coaching. I think it's around there already since some years, but it's you have now more players around and uh, more use cases, not, not just a big platform area. So you, you mentioned already some others. So perhaps you can also look at the trends Yep. Uh, where you see the movement and the development. Yeah, I think from a learning perspective, totally agree with you. Of course, it has been around for a while already, sort of the peer learning, cohort-based mm. learning, social learning approaches, right? I think that's still a super important topic because it is just, if you look at it from a pure learning outcomes perspective or effectiveness perspective, since I think these models have just proven to deliver the best results um, for learners, if you can engage with your peers and learn together or work on, on, you know, problem sets and, and solutions together. So that said, from a, from a pedagogical side, I think if we look at more, you know, content or which sort of areas are trending there, um, it is still climate education. Mm -hmm. um, I think that started, started last year, but climate education, sustainability is a huge topic for companies. More in general, blue color upskilling. Um, we're also really an upskilling for, you know, the energy renovation climate space is important, but also other, you know, solutions, especially for upskilling, reskilling and engaging basically your workforce on the grounds and not just the people that are anyway sitting in front of their computer all day, which are much easier to target with learning solutions. Yeah, I think these are a few of the, these, these two are a few of the, of the major trends. I think what especially 
which is not a, a content trend, but what will be very important in 2023 and going forwards before sort of the economic crisis and the situation we're in at the moment, we saw a lot of ad tech solutions in a corporate learning space that are more of a, of a nice to have and are often also for companies in the sorts of employee benefits buckets and are offered that way. Um, I think now also with companies having to cut costs, um, it's more and more important actually how necessary is the solution and mm. what's actually the benefit of the solution and what's in the end also the return of investment from a company perspective and measuring this impact of an ethic solution is definitely not an easy task for many companies but i think it's really key to show how your solution is actually benefiting companies and that's getting more and more important i think all ethic companies have to deal with that now to show that to the best they can Mm, this would be exactly the next question what I would have prepared actually. Uh, so be, because I think learning is always very early on the let's say savings list uh, from the CFO, and uh, so so as we are now looking perhaps at least partially into a uh, recession probably showing the benefit the ROI the business case uh, is key as a how do you see that impacting let's say perhaps the go to market of the startups or the the, the topics perhaps they address the problems they want to solve do you see already anything there it's it's hard i mean what what we see is definitely that um startups get the urgency that they have to find a way to you know, figure out how they can actually show that. But to be honest, we get that, we get asked that question a lot of time. You know, many our startups ask us, do you have best in class examples how ad tech companies measure their ROI and impact? Um, and for us, there aren't that much. So there's really couldn't name a specific startup that has 100% nailed that. Um, for example, because I, managed, uh, I mentioned the climate education space, there, if you look at this, this vertical, so to say, we have seen many companies before that are not ad techs, so basically all the, you know, mm. ESG reporting measurement companies that actually measure, you know, CO2 output and so on. And now we see, for example, the learning companies actually connecting to these systems and trying to find a way how they can show based on the learning of the employees that also on this sort of reporting level, the company actually reduces CO2 output, for example. So there are different ways, but it's, it's high on the agenda. And I think what is important there as well, um, in general for ad tech to just have, you know, more established companies and, and young ad tech startups work together and also approach finding solutions to these problems together and, and seeing how, how they can actually measure that and yeah especially corporate learning space it's not super easy you know you have more if you look at, at our portfolio we also have a bunch of boot camps mm. sort of reskill startups that also work on the b2b side but for them it's about placement right and it's easier to show that you educate people you place them that's your success but if you work with companies on a daily basis and the learning is a bit less tangible then it's also harder to measure the impact yeah, sure. Especially if you don't focus on the business critical use case. Uh, you mentioned upskilling and I think this, this topics, they're everywhere, uh, let's say in the press, but also they are urgent issue for companies. So I could imagine that 
this of course is important and I, I think it's nothing new it's uh, this whole uh, in German we call Bildungskontrolling I think it's learning ROI in English mm. uh, I think that's uh, evergreen and you just always need to look at the business case and what are the KPIs we influence exactly. and perhaps now it's even more important yeah probably definitely yeah yeah right so do you have any uh, uh, startups uh, listeners should look to Uh, perhaps as inspiration yeah. so especially on these new topics I, I think let's say these unicorns like Coachup or or others probably everyone knows who, who just types in a tech startup in Google yeah. you will see it yeah. fast but uh, do you have some recent surprises for example or very cool creative uh, approaches yeah. that you could share yeah I for example um really like one one startup where that recently raised a funding round from from speed invest and us is a french startup called symbol what they are doing is basically offering small and medium-sized companies a learning and development department out of the box mm -hmm. basically um so for for these you know smaller companies that still need to offer their the employees obviously learning opportunities re and upskilling but don't have the internal resources for a large L&D department and their solution basically doesn't need much effort from the company side and you can still offer great learning opportunities for your employees another company in germany i like a lot um in berlin is called power us mm -hmm. they're focusing on in German, you call it SHK. Um, so I think all the electricians and, and sort of people, you know, taking care of installing, um, solar panels on rooftops, changing the heating pumps for houses and so on. And they, on the one hand, have a job platform for these people, but also offer again training and, and development. I think it's just a super important sector when we look at the, at the energy renovation space and they are doing doing great work there mm -hmm. and because we talked about um about sort of you know community peer learning cohort based learning um and for us as i said it's probably the best way to teach people but from a pure investment or venture perspective these are just models that are very hard to scale um, mm. because you always have your you know small cohort they need sort of coaching, mentoring, training, or whatever. And it's hard to, to do that at a larger scale. There's one interesting company in the US called Sparkwise. Mm -hmm. I guess we can also put the links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, and what they are doing is basically creating these 45 minutes or one hour long sessions that are so self-explanatory that groups of people, five, six people can work through them together. They're a bit like sort of cases, which people might know from consulting companies or from some universities offering MBAs, where they have sort of a mm -hmm. case method to solve problems. And they create these, these self-explanatory lessons for business-relevant skills um, that people go through once a week and they try basically to take the sort of peer-to-peer cohort-based or community-based learning approach without the need for an instructor because the group of people can go through the case on their own with the help of sort of a more advanced FAQ system, basically. 
Oh, interesting. I'm going to look at that because we already did in our ecosystem the second. Uh, it, it wasn't called cohort-based learning. It was called learning circle experience, but in the end, it was pretty similar. It's just learning circles meeting regular with some content but and everything which can scale and uh, let's say support that not not only with humans uh, but perhaps with some uh, technology i think that's interesting cool exactly and the learning circles where it was it just employees or were they connected with sort of a, a third person you know giving inputs or being as well uh, what, what we use there it was a let's say a handbook mm. it was called a guide with with different exercises and input uh, along three months so they met every week and we did a little bit the frame like a kickoff like a boxing stop we called it in a retrospective but for example some tools like for matching uh, the groups and they were employees uh, and customers and partners so quite different so there it's always interesting let's say in this more social peer learning and then if you combine this with code based learning uh, how technology can support that so that's that's interesting Right. Gonna look into that. One thing, what I almost forgot, and the internet is full of it, and especially LinkedIn, <laughs> is generative AI. And, uh, like, for example, ChatGPT, today I, I, mm. I tried out, uh, a new writing assistant from Deeple. Mm. So also very cool. And of course, probably everyone knows Deeple. It's, I think, one of the best uh, translation engines. Yeah. Uh, coming from, from a German startup. Do you see already in this generative AI area any startups or perhaps even use cases? Uh, mm. At least the internet is full of it, but a lot of it theoretically and more, let's say, from lin LinkedIn experts uh, want to <laughs> increase their reach a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely LinkedIn and also my Twitter feed is full of it. I think it's still pretty early, but I mean, we, we have talked about the importance or, or what AI could do in education for many, many years, right? And I think now mm. it's hard to say with 100% certainty, but it seems like we're really at sort of a tipping point where it could finally really have a substantial impact because, because before that we talked about a lot, but I think there wasn't really that much of an impact. But because it's still early days, to be totally, totally honest, most of the companies we talk to, they're of course experimenting with it and they're still in a, in a phase where they they are trying out where it could be um, helpful. I think it will still take some time until we see sort of new use cases where companies really use generative AI to create something that's totally new and wouldn't be possible without the current capabilities for AI. So far, we see it more as a sort of a helping tool, you know, to create learning lessons faster mm. or to to scale feedback um, for learners with the help of AI and I think there can be a can become a really really important assistant what we what we see now in more general terms you know when when we look at the edtech space um, I think already for a few years general learning management systems have become sort of a commodity for mm. a new edtech startup it doesn't really make sense to build your learning management system from scratch you can just use something that's there in the market and for the past few years content has often been the sort of sort of the the way to differentiate yourself and i think with all this generative ai developments content is also becoming more and more of a commodity because you can basically 
to a large extent use, you know, solutions based on GPT-3 to create content. You can use solutions like DALI to create, you know, images and so on. And it will in the end become more and more important to differentiate yourself through the way you actually deliver learning, where we talk in the end again about do you find scalable solutions to deliver sort of social peer learning um, or cohort-based learning experiences. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. And what, what I at least really like is, I think in the last years, a lot of, let's say, standard stuff, which is already there, like formalized, have been digitized in EdTech. Like uh, the best example, of course, is you have a, a instruction-led classroom. Now we do it online. Okay. But per se, from the quality, from the method, it's not that super, let's say, innovative. But now, and people were afraid and were talking a lot of stuff about around uh, AI, but now they see the power and they see this really possible disruption. And uh, I think that's at least positive and uh, probably yeah. many look into it and look now how they can leverage it um, with the APIs or wherever or build something similar just because there's some momentum or... Yeah, no, it's a super exciting, super exciting mm. topic. Um, and I think there are, there are amazing things to come. And we will also see for sure a lot of funding being put into, mm. you know, young companies that leverage um, these AI solutions for their products. Mm. Yeah, so this will be interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I think the, the collaboration ecosystem, of course, is key. And at least how I see it in, in Germany, it's just growing now or then the German speaking market. I think even Austria and Switzerland are a little bit ahead. Yeah, mm. so they have their accelerators and so on. So why do you see the role of the ecosystem? So I think, of course, you're a great example, Bright Eyes. You share the knowledge, you make transparency, the create transparency. I think that's key because a lot of people don't know, okay, what companies are out there, how mature they are and so on. But perhaps you can uh, look into that uh, when you see the uh, ecosystem yeah. currently. I think the ecosystem is super important and there have been so many developments over the past few years, you know, on a European level, the European EdTech Alliance has been founded, which is basically the sort of organization for all the national EdTech hubs, associations and so on. And as you said, in, in Germany, you have the Learn Tech Hub, you have Innovation, mm -hmm. you have a new large conference that took place last year. We have what we founded as, as Bright Eye is the EdTech Garage, which mm. is also a sort of a community for early stage EdTech startups. And you see more and more of these EdTech hubs, communities come up in, in basically every European country. And of course, also in, in many, many other countries. And I think, um, as we're still in the early days of EdTech, all these ecosystem players that especially support early stage employees are important and also you know they don't just support startups but they also bring awareness about ed tech to you know other national or the other national stakeholders or also the european union and so on to actually you know increase funding and also on a systemic level implement changes to make life a bit easier for founders within Ad tech, and I think especially there, ad tech has always been sort of a difficult vertical. On the one hand, as most people know, even if they're not um, too deep into that topic, but for schools, 
universities, it's always hard, you know, as an, as a sort of external company to sell to these entities, to sell to public institutions in the end, but also on a corporate level, as you said in the beginning, it's often not really that of a must have, at least the solutions we have seen over the past few years. Companies often, when there's a crisis, tend to cut these solutions first. So it's, it's just different in many ways from, from some other product categories. If you look at the standard, you know, B2B SaaS software models. Um, and that's why I think it's especially also important that there's sort of this support ecosystem for early stage startup ed tech startup founders to help them with the first steps within ecosystem. And uh, did you, we mentioned some like the LearnTech Hub, uh, like of course, also uh, what uh, your company is doing. Can you mention any other? So we perhaps can, for the interesting listeners, we can put them in the show notes so that you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I always suggest to look at uh, if they have any newsletters or any websites or any LinkedIn uh, feeds or so what you can follow. Yeah. So do you have any what you can recommend? I mean, I think for the, for the readers, um, as I said, in the, or for the, for the listeners in the Dach area, there's a Swiss EdTech Collider in, in Switzerland mm -hmm. and EdTech Austria in Austria. And I think the best resource, um, to check out if people are interested is the European EdTech Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, because with on the website of the European EdTech Alliance, you cannot just find their, their newsletter and so on, but they also cover all the regional, um, EdTech players and, and EdTech hubs. Um, so you can just check out the website of them um, and then see if there is a national player in your country because they are they're usually a member of the European Ethic Alliance. Okay, yeah, we put that in the show notes. You can check that out. All right. So anything I forgot to ask? Anything what you would like to ask me? Um... And I think you, you covered a lot of topics. Yeah, I would like this. What's the sort of most exciting, exciting topic for you within EdTech at the moment, personally, or also what you, what you see inside of SAP? What comes to mind in your end? Yeah, so perhaps I differentiate. So, so for SAP, of course, we have our own uh, ecosystem. So for those who, who know what, what I'm doing, so I'm engaged in SAP training. Yeah. So of course we need to train our partners and customers and there are hundreds of thousands uh, around there. So of course without attack, this, this doesn't scale. So we are continuously looking into that. So like we started like some years ago with MOOCs, uh, but now we even now do automated translation and some things are not relevant for us. I know you anyhow are not a big fan of, uh, let's say, the metaverse uh, and the, the, <laughs> the implications for for learning. Uh, me neither, yeah. let's say, on a broad scale or on, this, well, on something which really scales. Yeah. Uh, and especially for our area. So, but I think... Uh, this more automated content creation, I think that's in the early stage, but I think that's very interesting if you have a lot of content like documentation, technical documentation. And on the other side, I think that's a, that's a evergreen, let's say engaging learners and uh, bringing them together, but making this more, a little bit more uh, scalable, like we mentioned cohort based learning or, or coaching. Uh, I think just a platform to broker coaches. I think, of course, you have a marketplace. You can earn money with that. But for, for me, this is not that super innovative. Uh, so innovative would be more if that's more perhaps automated or with cool nudges or exercises. So yeah, I think these are just some of the areas. 
and and this all generative uh, approach now which is interesting and perhaps two more things while i'm just talking i'm a big fan of communities and community-based learning and uh, mm. of course communities need to be moderated and curated and so on and also Of course, there the question is how could how this could be scaled via technology. Right. I think that's also not something new, but still the adoption is just now growing. So every I think every important uh, yes, tech company or almost every company needs to look into communities and how they can leverage that power. And the other topic is transformation and change management, which also for us is key. So there are so many big SAP projects uh, around the globe and. But often the topic of change and let's say engaging people along the whole, uh, let's say life cycle. I think this is still very, let's say, uh, manual. Uh, and there are perhaps some survey tools, but this will be interesting how also this whole organizational change management can be supported more and more intelligent than just via whiteboard and some surveys or so. And, and as I, I think that's not just interesting for me. Or I think the transformations and change don't stop. So that's actually an area which is also not that really digitized by, by now. So. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely. And as I said, I mean, it's, it's usually a long-term project. So that it's always some sort of, you know, change and transformation. So it's also a good way for, for these ad tech players to, to become involved on a long-term basis with the companies. If you, if you find a good solution there. Yeah. And, and because we haven't touched on that, but you briefly mentioned, you know, AR, VR, and I've posted a few things about that, but I'm curious to see actually, you know, now with the soon to be released Apple VR, AR, or I think they call it XR in that way, um, glasses, how, how that will further develop. And I also still don't see it on scale, obviously, but of course there are, um, a few very specific use cases where it is beneficial. Absolutely. I always say there are some very good nails which you can put in with this hammer, a metaverse or AR, VR, but and a lot of people look at this like training on things, on machines or whatever, or perhaps soft skill simulations. But unless, let's say, the devices are not better or not uh, easier to handle without getting sick or <laughs> whatever, and, uh, and especially the effort is so high, you need to invest so much money to create something. And if you... Yeah, it's probably hard to standardize. So, yeah. So, but it's interesting if new devices come. So yeah, definitely. We'll be promising. Yeah. So, or, so I think then perhaps we can look uh, also at you. That's always uh, three questions what I would like to ask the, the guests. So, do you have a narrative when it comes to learning? Yeah, your main favorite narrative. Um, I mean, Education and learning basically for me also, also based on my own background a bit are just the most important and most underutilized levers to create more, you know, equal opportunities. Um, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about education. And I think especially ed tech can really make learning more affordable, more effective, more relevant and, and more engaging for people. And yeah, that's why, why. Yeah, I'm, I'm in this space and that's what, what I see. Yeah, what gets me excited about learning and education. All right, thanks. And what are you learning currently? Do you have anything on your to-learn list for this year? 
Good question. Um, yeah, as I, as I'm based in Paris, um, and unfortunately in school, I took Latin and decided against French. So I'm now trying to improve my French. All right. Um, which is a hard task. Um, and also just picked up a, a new hobby, um, squash. So also, also trying to, to get some training and, and lessons in squash. I, I didn't know that you were based in uh, France, but uh, did you also connect it to uh, Sonia? I think, or Svenja, I think, I think. Svenja, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, we, we had her on the podcast also, I think one year ago was also interesting ah, okay. uh, discussion. Didn't yeah. know. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, she's just well connected in the tech space. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, cool. And perhaps it's just one thing what I would like to challenge because I think she had a very interesting thought. She said, uh, education is so different in the different countries. She's doubting that there will be big unicorns. Uh, this was, I think, perhaps one or two years ago. Now we even see some unicorns in the tech area. So how, how would you challenge this assumption? Um, I would, I mean, I think it depends on, on which vertical you look at. Mm. Um, I think if we, if what she, what she said, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, of course, but it's more or less true if you look at the K through 12 space, mm, right. um, K through 12, like, you know, school education is really different from country to country and there it's much harder. But if you look at corporate learning or lifelong learning, which in, in the end B2C products and lifelong learning space, there you can scale across geographies in Europe or beyond that. Not, I wouldn't say easily, but as easily as other products that are not ad tech products. So I think there is nothing that speaks against um, creating a unicorn. Mm. And I think also in schooling, we see more and more on an infrastructure level. So if we talk about, you know, school organization, communication with parents and so on, there it's now, um, we see first companies that scale across geographies in Europe. I think where it's still really hard is if we talk about content for school education hmm. because there you have national curricula and you always have to adapt the content to the national curricula and there it's just way harder in Europe than for example in the US where you have a huge market um, hmm. that's not so different from, from state to state. All right. Yeah, I see that the same. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And uh, perhaps uh, just um, one last question. So how do you keep up to, uh, to date by your own as an attack expert? Yeah. I think Twitter and LinkedIn are really good resources mm -hmm. for me. Um, of course, too much chat GPT in the last few weeks. Um, but besides that, great resources. Um, I also really like podcasts. So I really like the, the EdTech Insiders podcast. Mm -hmm. You can only recommend that to, to people. Alex Sarlin is, is doing a great job there. Um, and you know, basically also with, with the standard resources like EdSearch for my education, EdTech specific news, TechCrunch, um, sifted for the more more general startup news yeah that's that's main okay cool resources, yeah i made some notes so for those of you who don't know uh, like the attack insiders and the other stuff so I, i just put that in the show notes and of course also your page uh your, your area or, or your company sorry yeah and i think you you even present an interesting new study i think it's next week or yeah next wednesday we we launch our edtech report 2022 um so we always do a full year report for the past year and a half year reports and, and next week wednesday or i think the, the week we launched the podcast on wednesday um we have or we we launch our edtech funding report 2022 which which might also be interesting for for many listeners and of course we also have our monthly newsletter 
um, and I'm sharing a weekly newsletter, which might also be, be interesting for, for a few listeners. All right, yeah. So we put that in the show notes. And I think that's definitely recommendable uh, to look into that. And if you want to have this attack report, I think at least in the newsletter from Bright Eyes or in yours, uh, this will be featured. Definitely. Probably. All right, yeah. Well, I think we can come to an end. I think uh, thanks so much for, for your time. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, all of you who are still listening uh, yeah, got some new insights. Uh, I think it's definitely interesting. Also, let's say from a funding perspective to look into that. And I hope everyone is looking now a little bit more detailed in the market. Perhaps you get some inspirations. Also, look looking at uh, some of the startups, uh, what Hannes mentioned. Yeah, so thanks so much, Hannes, for your time. Thank you, Thomas. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.